dance and sing eternal hallelujahs to Jesus Christ the King, the hope of all who seek him, the help of all who find. None other is so loving, so good and kind. He lives, he lives, Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me and talks with me along life's narrow way. He lives, he lives, salvation to impart. You ask me how I know he lives. He lives within my heart. Amen. Our memory verse for this coming week comes from 1 Corinthians 13, verse 1. And uh, we will work through this book. We'll do the entire, uh, not book, chapter. Uh, let me narrow that down a little bit. But we'll work through the entire chapter of 1 Corinthians 13, beginning with verse 1. Let's say this together. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity... I am become as a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. 1 Corinthians 13, 1. Work on that one for this next week. Tonight we'll give you an opportunity to recite Galatians 2, 20, another great verse. All right, if our ushers would come at this time, we will receive our tithes and offering. While we are receiving the offering here in our service, let me share a great need, your prayers. Please pray with us that God would use and bless the Foothills Baptist Gospel Hour. This program is a ministry of Foothills Baptist Church of Loveland. If the Lord would lay on your heart to donate to the Foothills Baptist Gospel Hour, we will provide our contact information at the end of this program. We will now return to the service. Our scripture reading today is from John chapter 11. John chapter 11. And if you're able, stand with me in honor of God's Word as we read John chapter 11, verse 23, down through verse 46. John eleven twenty-three. Jesus saith unto her, Thy brother shall rise again. Martha saith unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? She saith unto him, Yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. And when she had so said, she went her way and called Mary, her sister, secretly, saying, The Master is come and calleth for thee. As soon as she heard that, she rose quickly and came unto him. Now Jesus was not yet come into the town, but was in that place where Martha met him. The Jews then, which were with her in the house and comforted her, when they saw Mary, that she rose up hastily and went out, followed her saying, She goeth unto the grave to weep there. Then when Mary was come where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying unto him, Lord, if thou hast been here, my brother had not died. 
When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews also weeping which came with her, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled, and said, Where have you laid him? They said unto him, Lord, come and see. And Jesus wept. Then said the Jews, Behold, how he loved him. And some of them said, Could not this man which opened the eyes of the blind have caused that even this man should not have died? Jesus, therefore, again groaning in himself, cometh to the grave. It was a cave, and a stone lay upon it. Jesus said, Take ye away the stone. Martha, the sister of him that was dead, saith unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh, for he hath been dead four days. Jesus saith unto her, Said I not unto thee, that if thou wouldest believe, thou shouldst see the glory of God? Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. And I knew that thou hearest me always. But because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. And when he had thus spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead came forth bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was bound about with a napkin. Jesus saith unto them, Loose him, and let him go. Then many of the Jews which came to Mary, and had seen the things which Jesus did, believed on him. But some of them went their ways to the Pharisees, and told them what things Jesus had done. Let's bow in prayer. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for your many, many mercies your blessings to us. Thank you for the blessings we have in this country. Uh, we pray, Lord, that you might speak to our hearts today. Bless Pastor Miller as he comes and preaches the word to us. Pray that hearts might be opened, and Lord, that you might accomplish your will in each life and heart here today. Uh, we thank you for uh, your great power and wisdom. We pray for those who are sick and not well. We pray that you give healing and strength as uh, the great physician. And Lord, we pray once again, you just meet the need of each heart and accomplish your will in our lives and hearts today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. Be seated. It is good to be back in the pulpit to preach this Sunday. Uh, last Sunday, I was still uh, weaning off of the post-surgery medications, and I guess I was more groggy than I thought and a little bit more fidgety. If I start yawning today, we're in real trouble. What a great passage this is. What a wonderful text. What a wonderful truth that we come to where Jesus Christ said, I am the resurrection and the life. But, you know, our passage today takes us into a very sacred family space. And what I mean by that, it is that time in life when a greatly beloved family member had become ill, died, and was buried. And you find that Mary and Martha were, were grieving with great sorrow yet and, and even reminiscing and talking that, you know, if Jesus had been here just a few days earlier, he wouldn't have died. But, you know, God had a plan and God's plan doesn't always match our plan. But as we look at these great truths, I don't want to dally with the great truths of who Jesus is 
and what he has done, what he is doing, and what he will do, apart from the real lives of the great truths of how they impact us. We, we do rightfully so put the great emphasis upon Jesus Christ and the resurrection and bringing Lazarus back to life. But let us not forget that within this setting, we have real people and real lives and real issues that face real heartaches that the Lord Jesus Christ really cares and loves those people. And what a wonderful Savior we have. It is here that the Old Testament and the New Testament doctrine of the resurrection transcends into a person, not just a truth. The eternal Son of God, Jesus Christ. It is the resurrection of Jesus Christ, I believe, is the single greatest truth. I know every truth about God is is dynamically great. But without the resurrection... None of the others could be validated, could be truly believed. It is important that the resurrection is indeed true. Or as Paul said, we are men of all most miserable if we were to believe a lie. But Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. And not only is he risen from the dead, but he is the resurrection and the life. It is the resurrection that validates the creator God of the Bible. And this Bible about our God, it validates the word of God. Out of all created history, Jesus Christ is the only one. And I know this passage is not about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It is about Jesus Christ, the resurrection and life, and Lazarus being restored to life. But without this great truth, you see, if if Jesus Christ be not risen, this is vain. But out of all of created history, about 6,000 plus or minus years, Jesus Christ is the only religious leader to have been certifiably dead on the cross. He gave up the ghost. He said it is finished. And normally they would come and break the bones to ensure that they died before they buried them. But the Roman soldier came and and was told that he's already dead and he checked. And rather than break the bones... As prophecy said, not a single bone would be broken. His side was pierced and his blood and water flowed out. And they certified that Jesus Christ was indeed dead. Certified by the Roman soldier, by the government, by the Pharisees. He was buried. And in his burial, the tomb was secured with a seal and guarded with a Roman soldier guard. And so we know, and the Pharisees knew for a fact that his body was put in there. Three days later, he came out of the grave. The tomb was opened, not so he could come out, but so we could see what was inside or what wasn't inside. And he rose again, a bodily resurrection. And that was validated by over 500 eyewitnesses. Forty days later, he ascended to the right hand of the Father. His ascension had at least 11 or more eyewitnesses to this. And those 11 or more did not readily believe that Jesus had raised from the grave until he had worked to validate it to them to believe it. 
And, and so here, this distinctively puts Christianity apart from every other religion around the world or throughout history. That, my friend, is the truth, the doctrine of the resurrection. Today, we're going to focus on the person, Jesus Christ, God the Son. So let me begin with the Lord's declaration. He declared, he said, I am the resurrection and the life. I think this is crucial for several different reasons. But I think it is crucial because this statement brings doctrine to life. Over the years, I've often heard that doctrine's not important and we want to set doctrine aside and and different things like that. But do you know the New Testament makes a great emphasis about doctrine? And here it brings doctrine to life and in the living person of Jesus Christ. It is, doctrine is living truth emanating from who God is. That's what it is. It's, it's a living truth. You see, salvation is not only a doctrine, but it is a person. Jesus Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Salvation is not only a Bible doctrine, but it is in the person, and it is the person of Jesus Christ. Separation, a forgotten doctrine in many places, is not only a doctrine, but a person. It is the Lord Jesus Christ. As the believers, we are not only uh, commanded to live separated lives, but it is Jesus Christ who has separated us unto himself to live for his glory. For those who say... Let us set doctrine aside to do God's work. They not only do not understand the New Testament, but they want to abandon the Lord Jesus Christ himself, the very name they want to claim to do some kind of work. Doctrine comes alive in Jesus Christ. It is not only, the resurrection is not only a doctrine, but it is a person. Jesus Christ said, I am the resurrection and the life. This is a statement declaring his deity. Not only does this statement that he declares that he is the resurrection and the life bring doctrine to life in the person of Christ, but it is a declaration in essence of his deity. He is indeed God incarnate. You'll find multiple places in the Bible, and probably the most familiar starts in the early part of John, John 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then you drop down to verse 14, and that takes it to the next step, and it says, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, talking about Jesus Christ, saying that He is indeed God. There are certain religions that, that want to deny that Jesus ever claimed to be God or that he was God. The only way they can do that is to totally ignore or defy the Bible or write their own Bible that contradicts the Word of God to come to that conclusion. Because a careful study of the Gospels must of essence lead you to the conclusion that Jesus Christ claim to be God incarnate, that he and his father are one. And I think no greater way of declaring and and validating that than in the fact that he declared to be the resurrection and the life. 
Now, I know that there's four other men who raised dead to life. There was Elijah and Elisha and Peter and Paul. But do understand this. Those four men were enabled by the Spirit of God, working for God, to raise those individuals from the dead. When it came to Jesus Christ, He was not a subordinate authority, but an equal authority. And Jesus Christ, who is one with the Father, raised Lazarus in a united authority with God the Father. Plain and simple as that. They are one. And so when he said, I am the resurrection and the life, he not only brought doctrine to life and into the person, but he declared his deity as God incarnate. He not only raised others, but is the resurrection and life and was able to raise up himself. Jesus Christ had the authority and the power to lay his life down and then take it up again, as he said, three days later, according to the scripture. You see, only God can replace death with life. Only God can do that. And what a marvelous and what a wonderful thing. Now, I do understand that with our medical technology, somebody's heart can stop beating. And within a reasonable amount of time, with the mechanic, medical mechanical equipment that we have, they can restart the heart and, and bring life back into the body in, in that fashion. But if they don't do it quick enough, there's brain damage and other complications. If you tried to bring somebody back to life four days after they've been dead, mechanically today, they would be a vegetable. Only God can restore life, but not only life, but whole life and viable life and functioning life as Jesus Christ had done. He can replace death with life. After he made this declaration, he divinely demonstrated that he is the resurrection and the life. He shouted or declared those words. I don't know how he said it. Sometimes authority speaks softly and carries a big stick, as one said. Sometimes it's shouted with with great authority. However he said it, I do not know. But he said, Lazarus, come forth. First he said, I am the resurrection. Now he shows and demonstrates that he is indeed the resurrection. And he commands Lazarus to come out of the grave. Do you know anybody can talk big and make big claims? People can talk about what they can do and what they think they can do and, and how great they are or what they, what they can accomplish and, and their strength and everything. But a lot of times it's just a lot of big talk with nothing valid to back it up. There's a lot of religious leaders that are big talk and they, they scandalize some of the things by the sleight of hand or whatever it is to, to manipulate people. I was just reading an article uh, this week. I think it was yesterday about the fraudulent behavior in, in religion and, and how people have used it to, to gain power and to gain money. And it has really turned people off from the Christian faith. 
And not only are we talking about any other culture, any other religion, but there have been a lot of people, men and women, who claim to be Christians, who have declared heretical things and behaved fraudulently and really spiritually abused people And when people figure that much out, it turns them away from the church and turns them away from God. Do you know that there's been so much of this garbage that has gone on that there is a mighty multitude out there that have been hurt by this type of stuff that sometimes I wonder why anybody would go to church. Now, we need to be in church. God's commanded us to be in church. We don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. But do you know there's been a lot of people that's talked big, that's talked uh, weird, that's done stupid stuff, but not Jesus Christ. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. And then he backed it up by raising Lazarus from the dead. It is at this point where doctrine goes from principle to person, Jesus Christ, and now becomes very personal. Just before he commanded Lazarus to come out, Mary and Martha and others, they believed in the doctrine of the resurrection, the historic doctrine. And they believed in looking forward to a future event of the resurrection. But they were unwilling to apply it personally today. And folks, that's a dangerous thing. We can believe the mighty truths of God's word, academically speaking, and believe them. But if we don't make them personal for today, we fail just like Mary and Martha did in that day. And in verse 24, he says, I am the resurrection and life. And that, and he was saying that Lazarus would live again. And they said, oh, yeah, we understand that. We know that. In the end days, and in verse 24, uh, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last days. But they didn't believe God or the, God the Son, Jesus Christ, could do it that day with their brother who'd been in the grave four days. They, they loved the Lord. They, they fellowshiped with God. They rejoiced that He was there. They believed in the doctrine of the resurrection. But it had not become personal for that day for them. And do you know what, folks? That's a dangerous thing for us as believers to get into. You see, we believe the truths, but somehow we separate ourselves from those very truths within our life. Jesus Christ said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. How many Christians complain of loneliness and feel as though God has abandoned them? They believe that passage in Hebrews. They will quote that passage in Hebrews. But how many believers fail to make it personal today in your life? Folks, He never will leave thee nor forsake thee. Make it personal today and every day. Many, if not most Christians, believe Philippians where it says, I can do all things 
through Christ, which strengtheneth me, and then set out to do nothing for Christ. Because we only believe that happens for somebody else, but not for me. You see, here's the danger that's not just with Mary and Martha, but it can impact every believer and every Christian around the world. We can believe these great truths and fail to make them personal and a part of our daily life. In verse 42, Jesus said that he did this, that they may believe. As he was praying to the Heavenly Father, he says, which stand by, I said it, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. This work that he did was that they may believe that he was sent of God. While this was truly an act of benevolence, and as you look through this, we we see the great benevolence and the compassion of Jesus Christ. Someone would, would mourn or sorrow or weep. Jesus wept over all of this. He groaned within his spirit. The suffering that sin and death brings. It is not that Lazarus was such a sinful, wicked man, but death is the result of sin and the curse of sin. Whether you are righteous or unrighteous, uh, if the Lord tarries, we will face death. And, and there's, th- there's nothing beautiful or natural or, or anything about it. It's simply the fruit of the curse of sin. And Jesus wept. Some would ask, why did he weep? I don't know. Did he weep because they didn't believe? Did he weep because death had caused such heartache and despair amongst the people? Did he weep because he knew that Lazarus had already spent four days in paradise? And now he's going to have to bring him back to live on this incursed world and die another day. I don't know why he wept, but I know he wept. And the things that are said here, it demonstrates the great heart and the compassion with which Jesus lived. It was truly benevolent, but it was more importantly a validation of who he is. In Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1, it's one of the great chapters on faith. And it starts out where it says, Evidences for things not seen. We as believers, to believe in God, to put our faith in Jesus Christ, to repent of our sin, to live a life of faith, Jesus Christ has not called upon us to live a blind faith. But He has given us evidences to justify our faith. So that we know that when we say, God can do this, God will do this, God said this, we can believe it and we can trust God. He has given us his evidences upon evidences that what God says is true and what God can do is real. He has given us evidences that our faith is substantiated in Jesus Christ. And here is one of those occasions 
He said, I'm going to do this that they can believe to validate that he is indeed sent of God, the one that they were looking for, the Messiah, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world, uh, the eternal Son of God. It is he. To validate that he indeed is the one. That is his coming. That's what he did this for as well. Remember, he not only has the power over physical life and death, but he has the power of spiritual life, new life, eternal life, abundant life in Christ. It is an incredible thing that he would raise somebody from the dead like this. But do you know it's equally incredible that Jesus Christ would take those who are spiritually dead, quicken them, and give them new life eternal life. And this is to validate that not only as the resurrection and the life, not only does Jesus Christ have the power and the authority over physical death and life, he has the power and the authority over spiritual death and life. And he validated one so that we can trust him for the other. He is the Savior, the Lamb of God. He he demonstrated that He is the resurrection and the life, that we might believe on Him unto eternal life, that you and I might believe. You see, the, the Pharisees did not deny that Lazarus had been raised from the dead. In fact, if you go continue on, and we'll later continue on in this study in the Gospel of John as to what happened here. Nobody denied that Lazarus was dead. Nobody denied that he was four days in the grave. Not even his enemies, the Pharisees and the religious leaders, they never denied that Lazarus was dead and raised from the grave. In fact, they thought about killing Lazarus along with Christ to try to get rid of the evidence that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. And so it's not a matter of denial, it is a matter of defiance against God in this. But He has done this that you and I can believe and have the evidences and the validation to know that our faith is a certain faith and a reliable faith in a God who cannot lie. The Lord's great work produced a divided response from the people. In verses 43 and 44, or no, let me go down. It's a little further down. In verses 45 and 46, I'm sorry. Verse 45 and 46. Then many of the Jews which came to Mary had seen the things which Jesus did, believed on him. There's a great tragedy of human thinking in this verse. It doesn't say all. It says many. Which means some did not believe. Now for you and I here this morning, can you fathom that? Could you fathom being one of those visitors with Jesus Christ at the grave of Lazarus and know for a fact that he'd been in the grave for four days, that they said he's going to stink by now, 
They open the grave and Jesus commands him to walk out. And then the people are told to unwrap him from his grave clothes. And they do. And he's alive. (coughs) And then walk away and not believe in Jesus, the Savior. You see, there was a divided response that came in verse 46, but some of them went their way to the Pharisees and told them what things Jesus had done. I don't know if it was malice that they had in their heart. I don't know if it was defiance. You know, sometimes you just can't understand why unbelievers do what unbelievers do. And and for those of us who who have experienced the, the saving grace of Jesus Christ... And how wonderful it is. And we have no regrets of receiving Jesus Christ as our Savior. Something that you and I just is beyond our our comprehension is how can somebody who has such uh, obvious evidences not believe? But it still happens. There's a multitude of people who have heard the truth, seen the truth, and and maybe witnessed truth time and again. And yet still, for whatever reason, choose not to believe. But there was this divided response that came out of this. And one of the things, you know, I I see those that did not believe, and, and it brings this question to me, because they saw one of the greatest miracles that they could have seen. You know, a lot of people say, well, if I could just see God, uh, a miracle of God, then I would believe. Don't buy that. Miracles is no guarantee that you will believe. Let me ask you this, how big a miracle would it take for you to believe? Would it take a miracle to extend somebody's life because of a disease? Restore some health and extend their life? Would that be enough of a miracle? Would it be a miracle where a financial provision of great need was provided beyond understanding? Would it take a miracle to take broken bones and have them restored to where they're not broke anymore? That happened to me when I was nine years old. Uh, we, we raised registered cattle and, and breeding stock. And at nine years old, we would go out and we would feed uh, the, the bulls there in, in the stockyard that we had. And dad would put me on his saddle horse, a full-size saddle horse. I would go out into that pasture and bring them in so they could all come into the feed at the same time. A nasty storm, summer storm came up, pouncing out hailstones the size of tennis balls while I was on that horse. The horse wheeled around, took me a half mile down into the uh, canyon, dropped me off one side of the fence. He went over the other side. And like a great, brave man, I came back bawling my eyes out. (laughs) When the storm subsided enough, Dad come out with a tractor and wagon and a bucket over his head. They took me to the house, took me to the doctor. They did x-rays that evening. It showed, uh, and I forget exactly, but there was a a cracked uh, shoulder, uh, a chipped elbow, and a broken finger bone back up in here. They showed Dad the x-rays. 
They said, because of the swelling, we can't do anything till tomorrow or we'll have to wait before we can set a cast and do anything. My grandma Sucra was a praying lady. She prayed and, and asked to intervene on my behalf. And when mom and dad, after chores were done and came to the hospital that next day, the doctor says, I just can't explain this. He said, uh, I showed you those marks in the x-ray where, where the problems were, the break, the chip, and crack, and all of that. He says, we can't find them on the x-ray. We need your permission so we can take new x-rays today. The new x-rays they could prove that there was no breaks, chips, or anything. They said, we do not understand this. We know it was there, but it's gone now. We're just going to wrap, put him in a sling, and I have to be careful for a few days. I believe the Lord answered my grandma's prayer. And a miracle had taken place. And as a young boy, I'm sure that influenced my thinking about God. But let me tell you something. If there was a way today for medical technology to go back into that time and say, we can prove that there was a failure in the x-ray machine and that there was never a break, a chip, or a crack. And let's say somehow technology is advanced so they could prove it, that there was never a break, crack, or chip, and that there was never a miracle that took place. Do you know what? It would not change my faith or my beliefs of God. Because my faith is not rooted in miracles. Romans ten seventeen says, Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. It is God's word. Be careful what you think about miracles and how you think it may change how you think about God. I would illustrate it with the other Lazarus of the New Testament and the rich man, where they both died, one in hell and one in paradise. And, and the short of that conversation that took place, the rich man in hell lifted up his voice and asked that Lazarus could be sent from the dead because he had five brothers and to warn them not to come to hell. The Lord said... They have Moses and the prophets. They have the Word of God. If they won't believe the Word of God, they won't believe even though somebody come back from the dead. Then you, you use the illustration in Matthew uh, where there was the cities, I think Matthew 11, Chorazin, Bethsaida, Capernaum, where more miracles were performed in these cities than any other place. And he said, do you know what? If these miracles would have been performed in places like Sodom and Gomorrah, they would have repented and survived. But I performed all of these miracles and you still refuse to believe. Don't put your hope in miracles. Miracles do not guarantee that you will believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. While I understand an occasional miracle might bring someone to Christ, faith must come through the Word of God, Romans ten seventeen, And we have a more sure word than miracles being performed today. And understand this, just because someone does miracles does not guarantee they are of God. 
Remember Pharaoh's magicians? They imitated many of the miracles that Moses was empowered to do. But theirs was not of God. They were of the devil. In the end times, and we're getting close to those, and we may be uh, close enough to where it can happen yet today, but the Antichrist, now, now the Antichrist has not been revealed. He will be revealed after the church is removed. But the Antichrist will be doing miracles and signs and wonders to where even the elect could be deceived from it. Don't put your hope in miracles. The miracles and the signs and the wonders that Jesus Christ did, he did to validate that he was the Messiah and to validate it to the Jews that he indeed was the eternal Son of God. And he has completed that work. So be very careful. I do believe Jesus did the great miracles from a heart of compassion but more importantly, to validate that he is the resurrection and the life. And by doing so, it created a divided response where some believed and some did not. But when it talks about the many and to those that did not believe, understand this. Each individual had to choose how they're going to respond. It wasn't necessarily just a group thing and said that was a group opinion. It was an individual choice. People will, will leave this auditorium. People will listen to the end of this message on the radio. People will watch to the end of this message on our television broadcast. And there will be unbelievers in, in any one of the, or all of those occasions. And each individual will have to make an individual personal response to either believe on the Lord Jesus Christ or not to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. It is an individual choice. Jesus did this, he said, that we could believe and that our belief could be validated. Jesus Christ publicly declared that he is the resurrection and the life, not only for the future, but right now, making it personal in our individual lives. He demonstrated this power to validate that he truly is the one sent of God and the one with God so that you could have the evidence that you need to believe in Jesus Christ. We have this record, not for fascinating reading, but to give you the opportunity to receive Jesus Christ as our Savior. This passage is a source of great joy to every believer today. As we go through this and we, we rehearse it and we read it, and as I preach through it, it, it's one of those exciting things that, that He is the resurrection and the life. And it is because He is, we have that blessed hope that is set before us. And, and, and we know that there's things we're going to have to endure in this life, but things are going to be great when we go to be with the Lord Jesus Christ because He's risen and He went to prepare a place for us and He'll come again for us. And this helps validate that statement that we can look for His coming for us. But it is for the unbeliever a great opportunity for you to choose whether to believe or not believe. 
Paul said in the book of Romans that it is the goodness of God that leadeth man to repentance. You know, sometimes we think, well, if God would just bring bad things into somebody's life and shake them up enough, bring them to repentance so that they'd see themselves as a sinner and, and fear the hand of God. Well, sometimes that does happen. But wouldn't it be wonderful if all it took was the goodness of God? And the goodness of God is overwhelming. And why would anyone snub their nose at the goodness of God? He is so marvelous. He said that they may believe that thou hast sent me. Do you believe? And if you believe, what a wonderful day. If you do not believe, you know, it's a wonderful day because today's the day of opportunity. Today could be that day that you would say, I'm not going to postpone anymore. I'm going to put my faith in Jesus Christ. And we invite you to do that. Father, we come to you this morning and what a, what a Savior. What a God. I don't know how we can even begin to express both our love and our gratitude for who he is and for what he has done for us. Now, Lord, I pray that you will take this message, strengthen every believer, give them the joy and the rejoicing that their name is is listed in the Lamb's book of life. Then also, Father, I pray that you would take this message and through your goodness, lead lost to a saving faith in Jesus Christ. We pray in his precious name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Foothills Baptist Gospel Hour. For more information about Foothills Baptist Church of Loveland, Colorado, you may visit our website at foothillsbaptistchurch.com. If you wish to donate to this radio ministry, please make your check payable to Foothills Baptist Church and mail to P.O. Box 771, Loveland, Colorado, 80539. Or you may go to our website at foothillsbaptistchurch.com and click on the Give tab. We would love to have you visit our regular Sunday services with morning worship at 9.30, Sunday school at 10.50, and Sunday evening at 5 o'clock. And until we meet again, be sure you are... Living by faith, living by faith, in Jesus above, in Jesus above, trusting can
Most people don't even know that the courts have already ruled. Once money is deposited into the bank, the bank owns the money, and the depositor is merely an unsecured creditor of the bank. Which means if the bank goes under, you get paid last. After the financial crisis, instead of breaking up too big to fail, the government and the Federal Reserve created Dodd-Frank and made too big to fail banks even bigger. 
while putting your deposits more at risk. I'm Joe Jaquin, CEO of the Patriot Trading Group. To learn more, visit us at allamericangold.com or call us at 800-951-0592. Any major disaster, especially weather-related, when the power goes out, can cause people to suddenly panic. Within hours, grocery store shelves in your area can be picked clean. Food supply lines get interrupted and food is hard to find. At that point, it's too late to do anything about it. You must survive only on the food you already have in your home or risk waiting for the government to respond while you're standing in food lines. So ask yourself, do you have enough food in your home to last for weeks or months? That's why the smart move is to secure your family's personal supply of the most reliable emergency food you can buy. Having at least four weeks' worth of food is not a luxury. It's mandatory. If you don't want you and your family to end up in this situation, go to 1360KHNC.com and click on the Patriot Supply button at the top of the page. That's 1360KHNC.com and click on the Patriot Supply button. My name is James with Milco Carpet Cleaning. I'm based out of Millican, serving all of northern Colorado. We're a family-owned company that will clean your carpets, upholstery, tile, and rugs. My goal is to freshen your home and business, leaving you dry and clean in no time with no residues. Mention this ad and receive $10 per room off, up to $50. You can call me at 970-405-3740 or email me at nococarpetcleaning at gmail.com. Don't forget to check out my reviews on Google. Hi, this is Sam Cheshire from Build Design America, letting you know that right now we are offering 36 months interest-free financing on all of your kitchen and bath or flooring needs. Come see us at 665 Furnage Road in Longmont, Colorado, or give us a call at 303-772-1202. Once again, that's 303-772-1202. Look forward to seeing you soon. Hi, everybody. Glenn Tate, co-host of Prepping 2.0. Shelby Gallagher here. Join us Saturdays at 9 a.m. Right here on 1360 KHNC. Where we bring you great ideas to take your preps to the next level. This is Rick Rodriguez, host of The Present Truth, Monday through Friday, 2 to 3. Topics, American World Hegemony, The New World Order, Secret Societies, One World Religion, Weather Warfare, International Wars, Transhumanism. Join me, 1360 KHNC. You're listening to the Roar of the Rockies, KHNC, 1360 AM, Johnstown, Greeley, Loveland, Fort Collins. The views and opinions expressed on 1360 KHNC.